So, hey, we're in a series called, uh, what's it called? Yeah, Gospel Deep. Gospel Deep, and we're talking about the depth and the riches of his gospel and how it affects us. In fact, Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3 were all about how we basically tried to make it all about me, all about ourselves, and we trampled all over his glory, Romans 1, 2, and 3. And now we're in the next series, Gospel Deep, uh, His Glory Restored. Like, how could God fix that? And what's his approach to it? And I just wrote this quote down, Job 9-2. Job is talking to God and he says, How can a man be in the right before God? Well, that's a good question, right? And uh, what a powerful question to ask and how often we try to go after it by saying, I'm going to try to be good enough. And um, that doesn't get it done, Okay. We have missed the mark so grievously. We have trampled on his glory so horrifically that there is something much more massive than our human effort that's going to be required in order for God's glory to be restored. Today, we're looking at the end of Romans chapter five, starting at verse 12. He gives this giant summary here. It's a massive theological summary in in just a few verses of how God is going to work in this world, why it has nothing to do with our goodness and it has everything to do with his goodness. Okay, so turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter five. Uh, verse 12 and we've got the ushers coming forward they've got some bibles in their hands we're going to walk verse by verse through this so if you need a bible just raise your hand and they'll get one to you all right just raise your hand they'll get a bible to you romans 5 verse 12 again this is uh paul now trying to summarize you're going to find this is a there's some headiness to this that's okay we can work through it we're going to take our time we're going to get through it well all right and uh he's just simply answering the question how does god redeem us How does God restore his glory? All right. We're going to have to get the theological import of all of it. So the first point, we are all under sin and death because of the one man, Adam. We are all under sin and death because of the one man, Adam. So Paul starts out in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through the one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, and but sin is not, sin is not counted where there is no law. Um, let's just go back and we'll start with the beginning of the verse. Therefore, when we see the therefore, we always say, "What's the therefore?" Therefore, just so you know, uh, we have no answer right here. Hang on, take a look at verse eighteen. How does it start out? Therefore. Paul's going to get back to it, all right? This is one of these classic Paul run-on moments, all right? And if you ever wanted an awesome example of the inspiration of Scripture, of God working in man, and yet the personality of man being expressed, this is a great passage for that, all right? Paul is deep in his thinking. Paul, is his mind is running. He's got a lot of things that pop up, and he's like, therefore, hang on, I got more to say. And then he brings up about four and a half, five verses and he gets back to it. All right. So hang on. We'll get to the answer of the therefore. But he says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. uh, What's he talking about? Adam and sin coming into the world. The first man created in perfection knew of what it meant to be perfect. Can you imagine that for even a moment? Not one wrong thought. Not one wrong desire. Not one wrong action, perfect, 
And from that position chose, it's going to be all about me and collapsed, making a choice to eat of the apple with Eve. And, and what a ripoff. How come Adam's getting blamed? Who bit the apple first? Right. And so how come Eve is picking it up and going after it and Adam's being blamed? I'll tell you why, because Adam had the responsibility. Adam had the headship. Adam had the representation. Adam was sitting over that family and responsible for what went on in that family. Guys, heads up. We're responsible for what goes on in our family. And uh, how much more with Adam, who represents all of mankind. Okay. All of mankind. You and me in that. Are you mankind? Everybody who's a part of Adam, raise your hand. Are you, are you a man, a woman, a human being? Are you a human being? Some of you are like, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. I know. Human being, man in the general sense, right? And uh, listen, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, uh, and death through sin. Bummer. The punishment for sin coming into the world, the punishment for choosing the opposing to God was that the whole thing was going to unravel now. And death through sin. Death is a horrible sting in this world. And if you've ever been to a funeral, you know that. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know that. And death, it is a, an attachment to sin. It is a cost to all of us as human beings because of Adam and his choice. It is absolutely important that we get this scripturally. Adam represented you and me. And in his deciding, in his choosing, came sin and death. You're like, what a rip. I didn't get to choose. Trust me, you'd have chosen the same thing. He's a good representation. And all of us would have been in the same spot. And Adam, the first man, fell. And in that falling came sin and came death. And uh, death, what kind of death? Let's just make it clear, all right? Three kinds of death that we taste. Death. Uh, the first is uh, spiritual death, spiritual separation from God. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2, it says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Spiritual separation from God. Uh, second kind of death is the kind we usually think of, the physical termination of life. The ending of our physical breathing and being. And uh, you see that in 1 Corinthians fifteen 54, we're called perishable. And that's how you talk about a head of lettuce that you put in the refrigerator. You know what I'm talking about? Perishable. That's you and me. And uh, life is short in the physical sense. Okay, death. There's the spiritual separation. There's the physical termination. And then the third one, which is the by far the most grievous, is eternal punishment separated from God forever. And uh, Revelation 21.8 speaks to it. Everyone who is not in Christ will be in the lake of fire for eternity. Uh, death, three parts to it, spiritual separation and physical termination and eternity in punishment and death. It's the punishment for sin. We better grasp this. This is a top-down theological moment. It's called original sin. Just say that phrase with me. Original sin. It means Adam, it originated with him, and because of Adam came sin and death into this world. It rippled through everyone, and we all are affected by it from conception born in sin. Psalm 51, verse 5. 
That's where we stand. Every one of us. Okay. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. All of us, every one of us, sinful and and headed for death as well. We all have tasted of it and we're all headed for it. And um, notice that it is not because we all are sinning or because we all will sin. Notice the tense of it, because all sinned. Past tense. How is that possible? There are some human beings that haven't even been born yet. Somebody's going to have a baby next year and they've already past tense sinned. How is it possible that all sinned? Answer in Adam. Adam's sin, past tense event, representative of all of us, you, me, and every one of us. And in that moment, theologically, yes, God's saying, represented all humanity and it's all crumbling down now. And everything now gets passed through Adam. His sin passed along and the punishment of death passed along and condemnation passed along. Uh, that's a bummer. Everybody just say that's a bummer. And I agree with you. This world is broken and it hurts. And, uh, and it's because of Adam's choice and our choice as we follow suit. Uh, by the way, it's Christmas season. Let's make sure we make this clear. Uh, Christ was born sinless. How's that possible? Well, because the sin and the sin nature and the condemnation is passed down through Adam, through the man. And with Jesus, it was Mary and the Holy Spirit. And so sin not passed down through to him. Absolutely essential. The condemnation was broken with Christ. Okay, big deal. Can you see a little bit of deep theology coming out here? Absolutely important that we get all of this. It's a huge deal. And uh, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Uh, rabbit trail. Uh, some of your passages have a little hyphen on it, right? It's like, hang on. I got some other thoughts. Paul's going off now, okay? Uh, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. He's like, let me just address for some of you. You're going to be confused. How come people were dying when it was before the law? They didn't even know what right and wrong was. Like, how come that's going on? Like between Adam, who had the command, don't touch that tree, and Moses, who had the list of commands, between them, what about all those guys? He's like, let's deal with that for a minute. So uh, sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. How do you know? Uh, it says just right after it, but sin is not counted uh, when there is no law. They were not held guilty because of a law they were not following that they did not know about. They had their own conscience screaming within them. Romans chapter 2, right? We already looked at that. They had this inner sense, this moral compass that was saying, it's wrong to not worship my king. And but I'm going to make it about me anyway. And uh, yeah, they went after it. They were breaking some inner sense of what was wrong. And um, more than that, it says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. You're like, oh, my head's blowing up. I don't know what he's talking about. And let's be really careful here. Adam had perfection that he was standing in and he was given a simple command to follow. And yet he unwound from that. Now, everybody else after him in imperfection, they're born sinful, 
They're born under condemnation. They're walking in that, not like Adam. And yet at the same time, guilty of Adam's original decision. How do you know? Because the condemnation is the same. That's all he's saying. You want proof that it's being passed from Adam down? Look at the gap where there wasn't a law given and yet they're suffering the same condemnation. Proof of original sin. And we struggle because of a representative head who made a really bad decision. And uh, lest you think that's unfair, trust me, if, it, if their name wasn't Adam, it was put your name in there, you'd have made the same choice. Okay? That's where we're at. Humanity. We make it all about us. There is none righteous. No, not one. And uh, big deal. It says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Who was a type of the one who was to come, Jesus Christ. In other words, this is a reflection of the representation that Christ is going to bring. We have representation in Adam. Now we have representation in Christ that's being reflected forward. He's a type in a couple of ways. Number one, Adam, he was perfect. Uh, How many of us are perfect? Good. I'm glad I don't see any hands. Otherwise, we'd need to talk afterwards, right? So like, we're not. But Adam, he was at one point there perfect. And from that moment, representing like Christ, perfect. Adam and Christ, okay? And in the same moment, Adam chose disobedience and it unwound into condemnation. But Christ choosing obedience and restoring. We're going to see a lot more of that in the passage to follow. He's a type of Jesus Christ. We have representation on the two sides. That's how it all works. And uh, just so you know, Christ, another word for him, another name for him is the last Adam. Okay. Adam is the first Adam because he was the first Adam, right? Adam is the first Adam and Christ is the last Adam. That's first Corinthians 15, 45. And, uh, Paul's like, you need to grasp this. We've talked a lot about relationship and communication and conversation and our shortcomings and our sinfulness. And these are all pragmatic understandings of the problem. Now I want you to grasp this 10,000 foot level. Deep theology, God working through representative heads. Adam is our starting point and everything's collapsing underneath his original sin decision. We are born into brokenness and it's horrific. That's where we're at. And uh, isn't it amazing how much we get um, from our parents, right? We're born into a family. We take on the character traits of mom and dad. Some of them are social as we learn it underneath them. Some of them are just DNA, man. They're just handed across. You look a certain way. You, you walk a certain way. You, you, you maybe even talk a certain way. You have a certain level of tone of voice. You have, right? You have a tendency, an inkling. And I look at our kids who have like such a love for music and an ability there. That did not come from me. You know what I'm saying? And you can kind of see where it came from. And then other ones, you're like, oh, that came from your mother, right? And you kind of hand things back and forth across as you recognize what's coming and not coming. And we get stuff from, uh, from our parents and our parents' parents and our parents' parents' parents. And it goes all the way back to Adam. And we do get sinfulness and condemnation from him. We do. Hey, this world is broken. 
and uh, we wrestle with hurt every day. And uh, every single one of us in every single way will be facing the fragileness of this world. And uh, I wasn't at all going to talk about this, but uh, as of Friday night, Saturday morning, I have some update on information for us. And uh, so I'm just going to bring that up real quickly. Uh, I had an MRI on Friday and uh, got the results back Friday night, Saturday morning. And uh, at this point, it appears that uh, the tumor is maybe regrowing is where we're at. So it's slow. It's not a big deal. We're not in crisis. Everybody say it's not a crisis. Okay. Benign. Everybody say benign. Going to get the word out well to the 11 o'clock, right? Okay. Everything's good. We're in a good spot. Probably going to wait now about six, seven months. And in June, do another MRI and we'll see where we're at. We'll see if it's really growing or not. Uh, we might have to address it with radiation or, or whatever, maybe another surgery or something. So, so we'll see. That's where we are with things. Uh, it does make for some uh, hormones going a little wild here and there. So if you uh, pray, feel free to pray for that. Hey, this world is a broken world. And uh, our job is not to long for it to be unbroken, this side of heaven. He's fixing it. Christ is fixing it. And I'm telling you, one step at a time, one heart at a time, our God has his hand on it. And in the midst of this fragile, condemned world, may we worship him all the more. My simple phrase, God says, hey, my grace is sufficient. My power is made strong in your weakness. Then bring on the weakness. Okay? That's how we handle struggle. Simple question for you. What's God walking you through? What's your fragile moment? Maybe it's physical, maybe it's emotional or spiritual or some other. What is it that you are carrying down from Adam? Whether it be the condemnation of sin and death, which facet of that is eating you up? It's time to lay it before your God and simply say this. I want to see your hand work. I'm ready to see you move, Lord, and whatever that means, And maybe it means that the physical stays broken, but you're going to shape my heart, then so be it. And maybe it means more, then so be it. We just hand it all to you. Whatever you're struggling with, get it to his feet. And I mean now. Hear your God and know he's got it in hand. Amen? All right. That's point number one. Point number two, we all have the free gift of eternal life offered to us through the one, Jesus Christ. We all have the free gift of eternal life offered to us through the one, Jesus Christ. Remember, the other was through the one, Adam, condemnation. Now we have free gift, righteousness, and life through Christ. Okay? We all have that now as an opportunity available. It says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Uh, I'm not sure there could be a larger understatement than that. The free gift is not like the trespass. Well, how is that, Paul? For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And, And so he's saying this, look, from the one Adam, we have... The destruction of many. That's the trespass. On the other side with Christ, we have the many under destruction who are offered a chance for restoration. 
so much greater as it takes huge numbers of pain and restoring in that. And uh, Christ's work, the free gift, is not like the trespass. And uh, it says that we have uh, much more the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. Man, it is all about grace. Amazing grace. Giving us what we don't deserve. Celebrating him. Because in the midst of our problems, God comes in storming in to heal, to shape, to change, to forgive, to restore. The free gift of righteousness, abounding for the many. It says, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin for the judgment follow of that one man. I don't Can you imagine being that guy who's being written about? Like you're Adam. It's not of that one guy. Where it all went wrong after him, right? Of that one man, Adam, and his sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Condemnation under Adam. Justification under Christ. And this is some heady stuff, isn't it? And uh, this is about as heady as Paul gets. This is about as deep in theology, and we really have to just let it soak for a minute. Here's the reality. Under Adam, sin, condemnation, broken world. Man, you want an explanation for the pain in this world and the lack of perfection in the physical and the talk about Adam, that representative decision and sin carried forward. But Christ, well, he brings justification. Notice what he doesn't bring. It says, it doesn't say he brings health, wealth, and prosperity. Please see that. The opposite of bringing condemnation is not health, wealth, and prosperity. The opposite is justification. You stand right before your God. Remember the two things we talked about with justification. Number one, your sin debt is covered. And number two, he declares over you what he is about to do in you. That's justification. God is working with our souls on the opposite side. And he's bringing us through if we trust in him as savior justification all right big deal it says but the free gift following the many trespasses brought justification for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man jesus christ okay there are two groups here in verse 17 let's make sure we point them out real carefully for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through the one man Like every human being everywhere, that's the one group, right? And Adam's making a choice and it's raining down upon all of us, through all of us, to all of us. Condemnation through Adam, the one group. And then the other side, um, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. Those who receive, second group, right? And they're a part of the first, they're part of humanity, but there's a group that's going to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And as they receive this free gift offered through him, payment made on the cross, death covered, righteousness passed across, our God making his move in this world to restore his glory. As we believe in him and receive his free gift... It says, 
There is abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. And then we reign in life. A comparison, death reigned. We reign in life under Christ. You hearing it? Death reigned. Now we reign over life. Get this straight. It's not saying that life reigns in you now. It's saying you reign over life. Literally, you, if you trust in Christ, will be called to an opportunity to lead and reign and rule under him. Revelation, very clear on it. As you trust Christ, you will be celebrating him and he will put you in a spot of responsibility and you will be reigning in some level as you are 100% in worship of him and doing what he's called for. And uh, wow, what a privilege. Uh, Romans 8, 28. There will be victory in this world as we reign in life right here as he transforms us from one degree of glory to the next. Uh, and then more than that, Revelation 21, 5. Uh, it says, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And all of God's people said, and we have hope. We may not even get that exactly. We're like, I don't know what it looks like to reign with Christ. What is that? And uh, I don't know, man. I can just tell you it's going to be better than here. And it's going to be better than anything you could taste here. It's going to be the phenomenal king of the universe and perfect worship of him and an opportunity to work alongside of him and see much be made of him. We will reign with him forever. If we trust in Christ as our savior, if we receive the free gift, remember there are two groups, the all in Adam and then those, a lesser group, a smaller group, but those who trust in him, they believe in him, they have faith in him, they receive the gift from him. That is our wonderful promise. And, uh, you know, I'm going to grab a gift here. It's Christmas time, right? And uh, the free gift, this is what he's talking about. It's wrapped up awesome. It looks stunning. And uh, have you ever been like at a Christmas thing? You've got your kids and it's like Sunday morning or whatever, Christmas morning. And you come running downstairs and the presents are all around the tree. And you get up there and, and like two of your kids are like, eh, I don't feel like opening gifts. I'm just going to leave them there for next year. And they walk away. Have you ever seen that? Like, right? It's like you can barely hold them back as you're trying to hold one at a time, man. We got to be reveling in this a little bit and appreciating it, right? It, there's, there's some, it's obvious that to receive, you take it and open it and make it yours. And yet with Christ, how often we toy with it as some intellectual ascent and set it aside and go, ah, I don't know. Maybe I'll open that tomorrow. And uh, the free gift offered to you. And uh, we have one choice uh, to accept or reject, right? To receive or not receive. The free gift as God walks up and literally goes like this. And the appropriate move to the free gift when it's offered, Jennifer, is to say. And there's something in there and you can have that afterwards. And the gift, okay? Feel free to open it now if you want. It's unbelievable. It's a $25 gift card. And uh, you know what? The bottom line is there's a gift being offered 
and how often when it's held out, we see it, we look at it, we see it from afar, we think of how nice it looks, and then we go, eh, I don't know. And uh, please be careful. As Jesus Christ offers you the free gift of righteousness, grace, unbelievable. As we stand in condemnation in a broken world with death and sin reigning, please reach out and grab the gift and believe. With faith in your Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him that he'll establish in you justification. He will make you right with him. And you will live with him and reign with him forever. Make that your step. And a simple question. Have you received the gift? Have you literally reached out and made Christ your own? Trusted in him. Appreciated him. As your king. As your ruler. And uh, we have an opportunity Yes, in Adam, he represents the destruction. But in Christ, he represents the reconciliation and the restoration. Lean on your God. Trust him deeply. Let this theology settle in you, maybe like never before, okay? Number one was destruction in Adam. Number two is eternal life in Christ. And now number three, a taste of his grace That conquers all sin and death. Taste of his grace that conquers all sin and death. And we have to be so careful with this next passage. Uh, This is going to be deep passage. Everybody say this is going to be deep. Get ready. It's helpful. It's a lot to chew on. It's worthwhile to go through. May we grasp of it. All right. So here we go. Verse 18. Therefore... Yeah, he really means it this time. We're actually going to answer it, okay? Therefore, uh, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Now, remember, this verse is verse 18. It comes right after verse 17. We just got done talking about it. There's two groups in verse 17, right? There's all mankind, right? Everybody under Adam. And then there's the second group. There's those who trust in Christ and receive the gift, right? We have the two groups in verse 17. That's going to be important. Just hang on to that. He says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Uh, Be very careful. Uh, There's a phrase here that says for all men. All right. And some will say, that's the same group of people. There's one group. And uh, if there is, then it reads this way. Uh, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for everybody, so one act of righteousness will now justify every single human being ever. Really? Is that what scripture says? Let's always make sure we measure scripture against scripture. So before we handle the toughness of this verse, let's make sure we handle the obviousness. All right. It is not saying all of a sudden that belief doesn't matter. It is not. I mean, he just got done one verse earlier saying you must receive the gift. Verse 17. Right. We go back to Romans 1 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. All right. Belief is required. Faith is required. Absolutely 100%. And uh, man, this is where we need to be careful when we read scripture that you compare scripture against scripture. 
Uh, it does not mean every single person saved. Okay. So then what does it mean? Remember, we have two groups going on. And, and so now it's saying, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, right? In that first grouping. So now if we look at the other grouping, look what happens. Uh, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Okay. That's what he's saying. Like we have a group and we have a group and he's working fully in this group, Adam's sin and condemnation. And now he's working fully in this group. Hear me. There is one way to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Everyone saved comes through Jesus Christ, all in him through Jesus Christ. Are you hearing it? Man, that'll preach. That's what this is all about. There is one hope. There is one God. There is one salvation, and it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what's being preached here. Uh, Paul is trying to compare the two sides of the fence and showing you how similar there is representation and fall through to both sides. And through Jesus Christ, we now have justification offered. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Okay, let's walk this through. Uh, for by the one man's disobedience, the many were made hearing it past tense in Adam, every human being forward affected sin, condemned, done in the past tense were made all human beings. Now check it out. But through Christ, right? So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Future tense, he's working in us. Christ, as he declares over us, do you see this one? I declare them right before me now. And the angel's looking going, they don't look very right. Hang on. I'm now going to do a work in them. And he now transforms us in this world slowly as he takes over every corner of our soul over time. And then As we are taken home to glory, whether through rapture or death, when we get home to heaven, it says in a twinkling of an eye, in that instant, transformed to perfection, will be made righteous, guaranteed, work done, God's glory restored. I'm telling you, you cannot miss this phrase, will be made righteous, absolute hope. Total dependence, 100% confidence. My God's got it under control. I'm standing with him. I'm trusting in him. I'm longing for him to be glorified. And he will do the work. Amen? Can you see how legalism and self-effort is so woefully short of God's plan for restoring his glory? It's all in him. That our hope relies. May God be glorified. All right. He says after it. um, Now. The law came to increase the trespass. Like dude you were already guilty. Just from the conscience you had going. That was screaming against you. Now you got the law making it clear. And here's the deal. It says thou shalt not. And you're like. Too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. Thou shalt not lie. Maybe I will. Just to twist it a little. So I can get what I want. And. Right. And we take the law and now it becomes that thing that makes it clear. It gives us knowledge of our sin. 
And that's what he means. It increases the trespass. Uh, But where sin increased, here's the hope, grace abounded all the more. We have hope in Jesus Christ to conquer any sin, every sin, all sin, sin that was in the unknown iniquity, if you want to call it that sinned in the known as we walked against him, trespassed against known laws. God has a grace that is bigger. God has a glory that can conquer all as we trust in him, as we let his cross do the work, as we give our God our everything. It says, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, In Adam, sin and death reigned. In Christ, grace reigned. Glory reigned. Life in him. And we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is some heady theology. And yet it's this simple. Two representatives, the first Adam and the last Adam. And in Adam, the first, we have destruction, sin, condemnation, a broken world, our bodies falling apart, our lives short as we live here, and the sin taking its ravaging effect. And through the last Adam, we have restoration and reconciliation and life eternal If we trust and believe in him, if we receive the free gift from him, it's that simple. That's where we stand. Let's just do this. Let's throw the slide up and uh, let's make sure we walk through this totally here. Okay. You may even want to write these down. This is a big deal just to get the theology on. And uh, God's glory trampled. That's Romans 1, 2, and 3, right? And under Adam, we had disobedience. We have unrighteousness. He did what was wrong. We have a trespass as he broke a rule given. Uh, Sin that was passed along to all men. Okay? Passed to all men. Death reigned and condemnation stood as that death. That's where we stand under Adam. Uh, The situation is dire for humanity. Anybody that tells you, I think that we're all born perfect and we kind of work it out from there. How many of you had to teach your kid to be selfish? I mean, come on, man. It's a natural. We are bent to self. We are born for self. And we are born with terminal illness. Death reigns under Adam. That's our representation. Praise be to God. God will restore his glory. The depth and the headiness of this theology. Christ, the last Adam. And instead of disobedience, he brings obedience. As he follows through with what God the Father called out. What an amazing model of humility. Unrighteousness instead turns to righteousness as Christ lives a sinless, perfect life. Remember, Adam's sin not passed to him because the Holy Spirit was his father. Physically, right? Big deal. And uh, trespass, yeah, that turned to the free gift as he's offering to you now a shiny silver package called righteousness in him. Trust him. Righteousness to all who will receive that gift, reigning in life and grace reigning. Instead of death reigning, it's now grace and life reigning and justification and forgiveness in the end. 
This is how God restores his glory. It all depends on him as our savior. It's all about our Christ as the last Adam and our hope in him. May we long for him. May we lean on him. May we give him our everything. And I'm just going to say it this simply. As fragile as life is, hear me, God is at work. As painful as what you might be going through is, God is doing an amazing work in our souls, justifying. Let him have his way that God might be glorified. May you hand over your soul to the almighty king who has a plan to fix that which is broken and simply say this. I cannot wait for you to be restored to all, all worship. I cannot wait for me to be 100% on fire for you. Your grace is amazing. Your love is astounding. And my soul longs for you to get everything you deserve. May our God get his glory. Amen. His glory restored through Jesus Christ. The last Adam, our hope. Praise be to God. Let's pray.